I am excited about this word I'm going to share with you today. It's our final week in our series called Breakthrough. And today I want to talk to you about surrender to your limits. All of us have limits. All of us have come to a point where we have said, until here and no further. Maybe it was in a conversation with your mother-in-law. Maybe it was with the way you spend your money and how it correlates with your budget and you say, until this point and no further. This is the limit. We all get those SMSs that says that this account is now depleted. You have to use another account if you wanna spend more money. All of us, I don't know if you have the same problem. I'm with the service provider that I'm not gonna tell you the name, but it starts with an M and ends with TN. Um, and this service provider sends me SMSs. I sometimes get notifications, even when my mobile data is off on my phone, then I would get an SMS that says, 50% of your data bundle has been depleted. And I think to myself, what on earth is happening? I've had it until here and no further. Now I'm going to another service provider, which name I'm not gonna mention, but it starts with a V and ends with Odacom. <laughs> we all have limits, especially in life, especially when it, when it comes to our emotions, when it comes to our relationship with God and our spirituality, we also have limits. And in this series called Breakthrough, we discover the big, it's actually a massive truth that spiritual maturity is impossible without getting emotionally healthy. We are on this road of emotionally healthy spirituality. We we deal with the things in our emotional life in order for us to mature in our faith in Jesus Christ. It's inseparable from one another. And today I wanna talk to you about the fact that we need to surrender to our limits and our limitations in life if we wanna mature in our relationship with God. Now, I hope that you still wanna mature in your relationship with God. I wanna mature, I wanna grow, I wanna become more and more like Jesus. And I really hope that you still have that desire within your heart, because I'm sure that's why you're here, so that you can grow, so that you can learn something from God's word and say, I'm not the same today as I was yesterday because God is working in me and I am maturing in my faith in Jesus. Amen? Great. So just a few weeks ago, I discovered that I also have limits. I was working late here at church. We had a few meetings and I went home late. 
then I ate late. And then when my body was replenished with food, at a very late hour in the evening, I had energy, so I couldn't sleep. And the moment it felt like I was asleep for two minutes, the moment I eventually fell asleep, my two-year-old boy had a burst of energy. And he wanted to play at an ungodly hour. Eventually, he realized, oh, it's not morning. It's okay. And he's a good sleeper. He sleeps well. We said, listen, what's going on with you? Sleep. And he said, oh, not morning yet. And he said, no. It's like 2 a.m. You should be sleeping. And when he went to bed again and fell asleep, he fell asleep quite quickly. Then I couldn't sleep again. And then it felt like I was just asleep for like three minutes. And then my alarm went off, like every other morning at 4.30. And I have this morning routine that I, I do not divert from this routine. I love this routine. It gives me life. It replenishes me. So I have this routine in the mornings. I wake up at 4.30, then I do a few things. And then at 4.55, I then get into my car and then I... I go to the gym where my friend is waiting for me because if he doesn't wait there for me, I will never go. Uh, so then I go there and he's like awake and he's happy and he's chirpy and I have zero energy. I feel like my legs are like two pieces of overcooked spaghetti. I, it just feels wobbly and weak, and he says the words that every single person dreads. So, are you ready for leg day? And I'm like, no. I'm like, I have the jitters, I don't have any energy. Uh, I've got the spaghetti legs going on, and so on. So I, really, I really am not looking forward to leg day. And he's he always pushes me and I push him and we keep each other accountable. And he says, okay, come on, come on, don't be a little girl. And I'm like, hey, take it easy, I didn't sleep well. <laughs> and he, he says, listen, we're gonna do this, we're gonna crush leg day and we get into the gym and we fill up our water bottles and we, we start exercising and I just don't feel any better. And halfway into the first exercise, a few reps in, I just tap out. I just tell him, listen, until here and not an inch further. I am at my limits. And he could see, usually he would say, no, 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 come on, come on, let's go, push through, Peter Shah. And uh, he could see that this guy is at his end. And he said, at 10 past five, that morning. Listen, I understand. I can see you're at your limits. Let's go have a coffee. So we went to the nearest petrol station here in Monument Road and we got the nicest cappuccinos and Krispy Kreme donuts 
And instead of gymming, we had a cappuccino and we had a donut. We, we stood next to the car and we just spent some time together. And I can't tell you the overwhelming joy that filled my heart and my stomach. But this was an incredible moment for me. But in the car back home, I realized that I'm not Superman. I need sleep. To have energy. I need to eat well. I need to sleep well in order for me to live well. I have limits. I can't keep pushing and pushing and pushing. My body is shouting at me to just stop for a moment and have some coffee <laughs> and donuts. And all of us, we have limits. But the process of surrendering to our limits is always accompanied by a grieving process. And this is very important to grasp and to understand. Because the moment that we give in and surrender to our limits, we say to ourselves that there are some things that we cannot and we don't like that, do we? Because we want to do everything. We want to be able to provide every answer. We want to be able to provide every piece of finance that's needed in the, in the family. We want to, to be the limitless guy that, or girl or lady that can just do it all. And maybe you sit here and think, no, no, that's not me. I know where my limits are. Until somebody tells you you can't say what you are saying in a conversation. Like, you don't put that limit on me. I'll say what I want to say. I'll share my truth. Until someone tells you, listen, this hope and this dream that you had, it's not going to happen. It's just not. You don't have the finances. You don't have the time. It's just not going to happen. Acknowledging that we as people have limits is acknowledging the fact that we are entering a grieving process. It's a process of loss in the acknowledgement of what I cannot do, what I cannot spend, what I cannot achieve, or what I cannot process in this time, or what I cannot offer in my relationships. And we all experience this type of loss frequently in our lives. Even being disappointed about something that didn't happen is the loss of an idea or an ideal. And the choice of how we deal with this lies with me and with you. The choice is whether these deaths will be terminal, that they will crush us and make us feel hopeless and closed to new possibilities, or we can grow up, we can mature, and open ourselves up to new possibilities, new, new resurrections, new ways of living in what God has in store for us. Because even the way we dream and the way we think 
is limited. We don't have it all. And if we are honest, life is filled. Actually, we are surrounded by these losses that I'm talking about. I mean, just think of your youthfulness. Let me give you some very um, motivational inspiration for the morning. From the moment you were born, you started to die. That's the truth. As your body grew a bit stronger, the moment it gained its strength, it started losing it again. This few seconds that has just passed, you're never gonna get it back again. You're never gonna get younger. You're never gonna look better, except if you use great creams like my wife gives to me. I'm actually 56. No, just kidding. There's no amount of plastic surgery or procedures that you can go through that can stop the aging process. Nothing. Nothing you can do. And that's a loss we face daily. We, we lose our dreams and when we get kids and get married and life changes in certain phases of life, we, we lose our routines, we lose our rituals, we, we lose the th how, how things were back then and sometimes we long to just have a cup of coffee without a kid jumping on me. <laughs> We've got an amen here in the, in the crowd. Sometimes we just long for that moment where nobody asks us anything. But just a few years before this moment that you were so fed up about everybody asking your opinion and everybody wanting to have your piece of advice, you longed for someone just to make you feel valued. You longed for someone just to ask your advice because you have so much to offer this world. And then it comes and it's just a limit. And we lose people that are dear to us. Businesses, situations. It costs us and it causes us to grieve. And we grieve the, the many things that we can't do about it. And it's called limits. Now, loss is unavoidable and it is inevitable. Yet, somehow, we as South Africans think that if we don't face it, and if we don't talk about it, if we don't accept it and surrender to our limits, it won't exist. All of us sitting in this room has at least one to two or three things in our lives that we do not wanna talk about. Because we had the loss of a disappointment, we had the loss of a loved one, we had things happen to us or are happening to us that are really hurting us and that, that's really, really bothering us and that's really, really just chewing at every single piece of energy within us, but we don't talk about it. 
We try and avoid it. We try and ignore what's going on. We try to suppress what's going on. And we think that these losses won't affect us. And we think our emotions are invalid or untrue, but the fact is we all have a breaking point. We all have a breaking point. We all have limitations. We, we were created with limits. We were created to get to the point where we say, until here and no more. Loss and grief, however, cannot be separated from the issue of our limits as human beings. Limits are behind all loss. And for us to become spiritually mature, we have to deal with this in a biblical way. And I want you to page to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul gives us two ways that we can deal with this surrendering to our loss so that, this is why we do it, so that we can become spiritually mature, so that we can become more like Jesus. So 2 Corinthians 12, verse 6 to 10 says the following. Paul shows us here how to surrender to our limits so that we can mature. If I wanted to boast... I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. He says, listen, if I wanted to brag, I could have. And it wouldn't have been funny because I have reason to look good. I've accomplished a lot of things in life. And I will be telling the truth. I, would, I wouldn't be telling a lie but I won't do it. I won't brag about myself because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. And in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, the first step to surrender to your limits so that you can mature in your relationship with Christ is you have to pay attention to your weakness. Paul says in verse seven, I have a thorn in my flesh. And this is making me weak. Three times I've asked God, please just take it away. Please just remove this weakness within me. Please just remove this thing I'm struggling with. Please just remove this grief I'm trying to process. Please just remove this deep sinking, dark feeling of disappointment. Just please remove it. 
please remove it from me, God. And all God said, God didn't remove it. All God says is, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Now, it's interesting to me that the church, we, we don't really share a theology of weakness. We don't really talk about our weaknesses. We don't really pay attention to our weakness because we hate feeling weak. We feel like when, when we are in a group and we share what we really, really struggle with, we share our addictions and our pain and our questions and our confusions, we're afraid that we're gonna come over or across as weak or unfaithful. And that's why we don't talk about it. But we need to surrender to our limits if we wanna grow spiritually. And the first way that Paul invites us to do that is, listen, just pay attention to the things you struggle with. And then don't try and hide it from God because what's the first thing that we try and do when we have sinned? It's from the first people on earth. We have this habit. We try and hide it. But you cannot hide something that's obvious. But we think we can. It's like this one time I was, I think I was nine years old. My mother had this beautiful, expensive ornament that she got as a gift. And this was the main display in the living room. And I, as a nine-year-old, got a new cricket bat. And, and those times, you still had to hit that bat in, which, which means that if, if you will face a, a cricket ball or you will hit a cricket ball without properly treating the bat beforehand, it will shock you um, and it will break the wood. So you have to compact it, basically. So I had this, this cricket ball with a wooden stick in it that was a tool that you used to really hammer in the bat and so on. And I felt, oh, this thing is great now. It's ready to go. And I asked my brother, please hold the bat and I'm gonna swing this ball as hard as I can. And you're gonna feel this bat doesn't even shock your hands. This thing is amazing. So as a nine-year-old, I was like all chuffed with my bat and everything. And my brother hold it in the living room. And I took a big swing at that bat, trying to hit it as hard as I possibly can, and he flinched, and I missed the bat, and I hit that ornament. Solid. It was glass and porcelain everywhere. My first instinct was, wasn't me. So I, unlike what I ever do in the afternoons, I went outside the yard on the pavement playing with my tennis ball, the softer version, against the wall, thinking that my mother won't suspect anything fishy going on. I'm trying to hide it, and I'm standing there. My mother comes in, and I'm like, hello, mommy, how are you? Can I help you carry anything? How was your day? What I never do, her first words to me was, what happened? And this is what we try to do with the losses we experience. Maybe you were disappointed because you didn't get that job. 
Maybe you are grieving a loss of a marriage that was great at first, but now it's just gone and the divorce was terrible and you just can't find a way to, to co-parent the children and it's just very, very difficult. Or maybe you have lost a loved one and you couldn't really sit down and grieve this person because you were so caught up in all the admin and all the stuff that needed to be sorted out for the funeral and the inheritance and everything going with that. Maybe you are struggling with an addiction, but you don't have a close relationship with someone you can really tell them how the struggle is without feeling judged. Maybe you are grieving these losses in your life, whatever it may be, but you are not paying attention to the thorn in the flesh. You're trying to avoid it. And everyone else can see something's wrong. Everyone else can see you're not okay. Everyone else can see that there's, there's something causing a disconnect between you and people and between you and God. But you're trying to hide it. You're trying to hide what's so obvious because you're not dealing with the loss. And it's funny, we, I don't know if you, if you know people like this, but people that are kind of, let's say, silently lying to you, or politely silently lying. Do you know people that you can see clearly something is wrong? You feel the vibe when they enter the room and you ask the question, hey, what's wrong? And they silently and politely lie, nothing. But you can see there's something wrong, something is bothering them. And if we don't pay attention to the thorn in our flesh, because we all have a thorn in our flesh, if we don't pay attention to the things that we really need to grieve about, the things that we have lost, the hopes and ideals and situations and businesses and people and stuff that we've lost, if we don't deal with that, we are silently lying politely to ourselves and our people and to God. When we stuff the pain away so deep down, our ego starts to lie to us because we think the more I can contain it, the more I can hide it from God, the stronger I will become. I will overcome this thing. I will overcome this situation. I will overcome what they did to me. Here's the funny thing. Your ego lies to you. Exactly the opposite happens. When we do not pay attention to the things we grieve in life, when we are not openly communicating that to God, 
when we are not like Paul and says, God, I have this thing. I'm, bring, I'm bringing it to you. I'm talking about it. I'm processing it. When we just try and stuff it away, we get numb. Now, here's the interesting thing. This is how the body works. This is how the brain works. You have only one centrum in your brain where all the emotions are activated. This centrum does not have a positive and a negative compartment. So you cannot differentiate in your brain between happy feelings and sad feelings. You cannot switch your brain to a mode where you say, I'm only gonna experience happy feelings now. No bad feelings. Whatsoever, no. The feelings compartment is one compartment located in the frontal lobe of your brain. This means that if you decide to shove stuff down and not deal with it, not talk about it, not cry about it, not grieving in the correct way or the biblical way about the things that have happened to you, you become blunt to those things, which feels quite good because you forget about them. You suppress them well. So the bad things you don't think of anymore and you're just like cruising over them whenever they pop up their heads. But the problem is, is that's exactly why you feel disconnected with people and disconnected to God. That's exactly why your friends and your family are telling you, you can never be glad for someone else. Why are you always so negative and pessimistic? Why can't you just be glad for, for the things that are happening in my life? Why can't you support me fully? Why aren't you here? Why aren't you listening? It's because you became numb to all the emotions in the centrum. It's because you're pressing down stuff that needs to be talked about, that needs to be out in the open. Even Jesus did this. He had to grieve the loss of a close friend called Lazarus. And Jesus cried out over the whole Jerusalem about his sorrow and the way he feel, felt about his loss. Job writes in chapter three, verse three, he says, I wish that I wasn't even born and that they, that day did not even exist. That was part of his prayer to God. That is a brutal prayer. That is a wild prayer, but it's an honest prayer. And what Paul teaches us here is that we need to surrender to our limits. We need to know that we cannot have it all and do it all. And in that process, we are called to be honest to God. We are called to come to him just as we are. Because just like I couldn't hide it from my mother, we can't hide anything from God. He knows about your pain. He knows about your addiction. But in a relationship, we hate it. Those people with, with teenagers in the house, you hate it when you ask your your child, and how was school? Oh, fine. What do you mean, what did you do? Nothing. 
What? You did nothing at school. What am I paying the school for? No, we don't know. We did stuff. And there becomes a great disconnect in relationships. And we hate it when people do that to us. But that's exactly the way we treat God. That's exactly the way we engage in a, in a relationship with God. We have these pain and these feelings and these things that torment us. And there's really a thorn in our flesh. And all we say to God is, no, no, no. Well, <laughs> hallelujah. Can I please get a raise? Thank you, Jesus. But we're not real with him. And when we surrender to our limits, we take a step into maturity in our relationship with God. Because here's the thing. Children think they can do anything. The world teaches us that you can be and become anything you want. It's nonsense. We have limits. My two-year-old boy thinks he can fly. But if he thinks it doesn't make it true. We think we can do all these things. We think we can process our grief on our own. We think we have the ability to press it down and shove it down and it won't come back years later to haunt us. It won't. Just because we think it doesn't make it true. And God wants to be in a real relationship with me and you, where we talk about those things, where we hold those things to him. Say, God, I'm struggling with this addiction. God, I'm struggling with my identity. God, I'm struggling with my workplace. God, I'm struggling. I'm so angry, God. I'm angry because this happened. 2019 was a year like that for me. I was held at gunpoint, so I lost my innocence. I was always the guy that says, no man, don't be so negative about our country. You just need to walk in faith. Well, it's difficult to walk in faith with a nine mil against your throat for a cell phone. It's difficult to walk in faith when you've lost a child in death. It's difficult to walk in faith if you moved into a new town and they stole your whole house empty. It's difficult. But God says, just pay attention to the thorn. Just pay attention to what you're feeling and talk to me. There's healing in the talking. There's healing in the sharing. There's healing. You're gonna grow. You're gonna realize that you have limits you can't do it on your own. You can't process it on your own. And I want to be there with you. I'm listening. I'm waiting. I want to hold it with you. I want to process it with you. There will be healing if you talk to me about it. Just be real and honest with me. Stop suppressing because you are becoming numb to me. You are becoming numb to your people. And I don't want that for you. I've planned a much greater life for you than this. The second thing, second step to surrender to our limits so that we can mature in our relationship with God is to embrace the gift of limits. So first, we, we have to 
pay attention to what's happening. We have to become aware of what's really bugging us, what's really hurting still in us, of the losses that we've experienced. But then, then we have to move to a point where we embrace the gift of limitations. We all have limits. But maturity is to embrace the limit. How many men in this room, I'm not gonna ask you to lift your hand, has had an aching lower back because you tried to lift something that someone told you you're not strong enough to lift, get help. I, I can put up my hand with confidence. I'm like a Jack Russell. I'm not very big, but I have some fight in me. And we do the same emotionally and spiritually. We try to carry the loads of things we were not made to carry. In fact, one of the great tasks of parenting and leadership is to help others accept their limits. My boy says, I can fly. I help him to accept the fact he can't. Maybe I need to explain this a bit deeper. Immature people, and I'm talking about spiritually immature people, think they can do anything. But mature people in Christ acknowledge that they need Christ. They need a savior. They need a God to help them deal with their lives. When embracing our limits in its most basic form, it means, yeah, I am good, and maybe I'm even great, but I'm not God. This is maturity. I cannot solve everything. Yes, maybe on my own I could process my high school sweetheart and our breakup. But the death of my mother in my arms, that I need help with. The depression that keeps on creeping up in my thoughts, that I need help with. I have limits. I can't deal with it all. I need him. The business that I've lost during COVID, my current financial struggle, I've done everything I could but this load I can't carry on my own. I need some help. It takes maturity to embrace the gifts of limits. Paul writes in, in verse six, I, love, I, love, I would love to meet him. I think he has a great sense of humor. He says, if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so. He's just soft bragging a bit about himself <laughs> because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message even though I've received such a wonderful revelation from God. He says, I'm good. Actually, I'm great at what I do. And you may sit here and think the same. I'm a good dad, I'm a good husband, I'm great at my job, I'm a good mother. 
yeah, sure, I struggle sometimes and I know I don't always get it right, but I'm at least good. By trying to hold on to everything and try to deal with everything on our own, trying to sort out everything on our own, trying to plan everything in detail on our own, trying to live this life on our own is not embracing limits. And then we're not saying, I'm good. And we're saying, I'm God. I'm trying to control everything. And we are invited to do just the opposite, to dive into our weakness, to celebrate not what we're good at, but to celebrate the fact that we are weak, we have faults, and still God's grace is enough for us. Still, he doesn't cast us aside. Still, our anger and our emotions doesn't make him angry or emotional. No, it makes the relationship between us even more close and even more special and even more real. John the Baptist was great at this. He models wonderfully for us what it means to embrace our limits. You know, he was a very famous preacher and he baptized people. He, he started the work of Jesus. And there was big crowds forming around him. He became very popular. He got disciples following him. And the moment Jesus came, he said, listen, I have limits. I can only tell you about the truth and the way and the life, but I am not the truth and the way and the life. He is. I'm pointing you to him. You don't need me. I just fulfilled a certain role in a certain time. Who you really need is him. I'm pointing you to him. You can't live without him. You can live without me, but you can't live without him. Surrender to him. And some of his disciples, some of John's disciples, in John chapter three from verse 26, we read about this. They were quite angry saying, how can people now follow Jesus? How can they be this disloyal to you? And his answer to them is, sometimes I must decrease so that he can increase, verse 13. What he says is, sometimes I have to accept the fact that I have limits, that I can't do it all, I can't deal with it all. I need help. I need to make way for him to enter. I need to embrace my limits and this will be a gift to me and my family and my people because I need God. John realized I can't give what he gives. I can't bring what he brings. I can't heal like he can heal. I can't make whole like he can make whole. I just can't. Only he can. Often we have larger fantasies and wishes for ourselves than what our lives can actually support and what we are actually called for. As a result of trying to live without limits, we work frantically trying to do more than what God intended for us. We burn out thinking we can do more than we can, we get stressed, we blame others, we destroy relationships, we run around convinced that the world 
will stop if we stop. Maybe we need to get off our little thrones and grow up and surrender to our limits. Say, I don't have the power. I don't have it in me, not just for leg day, but I don't have it in me to sort out this mess in our family. I don't have it in me to sort this financial mess out. I don't have it in me to see another doctor. I don't have it in me. I just don't. I just don't. I just don't. I'm tired. I'm fed up. Until here and no further. I'm taking a step back, God. I'm decreasing myself. I'm humiliating myself. I'm not as great and as wonderful as I thought, and but I'm trying to portray to my friends and family I have a thorn in my flesh. Something's wrong. I need you. I need you in my life. Come and fill this space. I can't deal with it on my own. I'm getting off my throne. It's interesting to me, verse 10, we always misquote this verse. I hear a lot of people say, when I am weak, he is strong. That's a lie. It's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, when I am weak, I am strong. Because of his power through me and in me. It's very arrogant to say, when I'm weak, he is strong. Meaning we are stronger and superior to God. Because then when we are weak, then he is strong. That's nonsense. God is always strong. God is always in control. God has no limits. God has no boundaries. God can do anything, you know, far more than you can ever imagine or dream. We have limits. We can't do it all. And maybe today you say, Johan, I need to make way. I've been acting so strong, but I'm not. I'm tired gonna do the mature thing and get out behind the steering wheel saying God I need you I need you I need you I want you to close your eyes if you say Ron I'm that person I'm surrendering to, to my limits I admit I need Jesus in my marriage in my decisions plans for the future and my finances. I need him in this season of infertility. I need him in my pain. I need him in my brokenness. You say, I need him. I want him to increase. Like John said, but you just want to raise your hand. His hand going out all over the place. God sees you. He's with you. minister to you just in a, in a chorus of a song. I want you to keep your hands raised and just receive this. Maybe you can sing along or pray along. 
we're just going to sing these words and say, Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages. I'm standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of Standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness. Lord, there are people surrendering to you in this moment. People that say, I've come to the end of myself. I have no more reserves. I have no more energy to do it on my own. I need you. Oh, rock of ages, I just want to stand on your faithfulness. I'm making way. I'm admitting I have limits. I'm admitting I can't do it on my own anymore. I need you. Thank you that you see us. Thank you that we can openly share our lives with you. That you're not angry at us. That you're not disappointed in us. You're waiting with open arms. Thank you for restoring relationships. Thank you, God. 